Hello everyone. We're the two Wall Street chicks, authors of our new book, Own Your Shift, inviting you to transform your everyday overwhelm into calm using the practices of mindfulness. Our approach to mindfulness is different. Our style and techniques are easy, simple, and practical. We're not prescriptive. You choose what works for you and when. Our podcast series offers a whole toolbox of techniques to help you shift to the present moment. Being present brings out your best self so you can make smarter decisions and achieve healthier outcomes. So let's get started. So who are the two Wall Street chicks? I'm Myra Martinez-Sacco. I spent over three decades on Wall Street running a number of important businesses, and now I'm a leadership development and diversity and inclusion consultant, an executive coach, author, and mindfulness practitioner. And I'm Melissa Cantor. I call myself Wall Street guru turned Main Street Buddha, having spent 20 years on Wall Street advising the largest money managers in the world, and over 20 years teaching yoga, qigong, meditation, and mindfulness. I'm also an executive coach, author, and speaker. Welcome to Own Your Shift. In today's episode, we'll be discussing how using mindfulness techniques can be valuable during this period of polarization, racial unrest, and heightened uncertainty. Right now with COVID, George Floyd, and the upcoming election, it seems that our nation and the world is coming unglued. Learning mindfulness techniques with lots of practice helps us come back to the present moment. So rather than getting hijacked by things happening in the outer world, these practices help us return again and again to what's happening right in front of us, which is frankly all that anyone can control. Awareness of the present moment and acknowledging your emotions and feelings with detachment helps you be conscious of your own triggers so that you make better choices and have better responses. So Myra, how have you experienced bias in your life? Well, first let me say that bias in and of itself is neither all good or all bad. It just is, uh, and we all have them. And then the second thing I would say about bias is that many of our biases are unconscious. They're kind of under the surface, which means, you know, they're like unintended, they're subtle. Um, and so wait a minute. So what does that mean? Explain that a little bit more yeah. when you say that. Well, it just means that many of the things that we've learned uh, on how to and what triggers us, many of those things are experiences, our upbringing, our culture, and we've learned them by the time we're like seven years old. So oh, that that's makes sense. why they're unconscious because they're there, but you know, they come out at the surface and you don't even realize that they're coming out. And again, mm. it's all of us. It's all of us. There's this, you know, it doesn't make you a bad person. We all have them. So what in so, particular, like, have you experienced? So, that? so that's what leads me to, to tell you, well, you know, my, I guess, first experience that I can recall from a very young age, and I guess it was in, it powerful enough that I do recall it, but it uh, took me a while for it to surface, is when I was probably about seven or eight, and I was at a bank in Brooklyn. We, and if you remember from my last episodes, you know, I'm a, um, a Cuban-American, so uh, my parents were Cuban immigrants. They didn't speak Spanish, uh, English, I should say, you know, very little. 
And we were at a bank and this is when banks, you had to actually go into them to do transactions. And we were at the teller. It was our time. We got to the, up to the teller and my mother couldn't communicate what she wanted. Wow. And that's know, pretty amazing. Yeah. And I saw the teller um, tell her, ma'am, just move to the side. And she rolled her eyes and took the next person. And my mom, did you get, did you get that when that happened? Well, I, I realized that I internalized that quite a bit. And, but I was, you know, I was seven. I didn't know. I didn't even know what you wanted to do. So, um, but I do know, I saw her reaction, how she felt. I mean, she was dismissed and she didn't know what to do. And she sat there thinking the woman was going to call her over, never did. And we just walked out of the bank and she didn't get what she needed to get done. Um, mm. And you know what you just brought up, if I can interrupt. For sure, a sure. Mm -hmm. One of the things I think unconscious bias makes you recognize is how we marginalize people. Um, because your mom was just marginalized. Oh, and absolutely. I just, I also want to say to you, Myra, when I met you, I mean, 35 years on Wall Street, and I know you'll probably talk about this, um, but I didn't quote unquote see you as a Latin a Latina. Mm -hmm. And it's so shocking to me when, you know, we've been working together almost, you know, over five years now. And you surprised me with your middle name. Well, uh, yes, absolutely. And trust me, it happened quite a bit at, at work. But what I will tell you about my experience is that it triggers me till today. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't understand. And I think it's the reason why I went on to Wall Street and I work for a bank for crying out loud. So just think about how that your brain works through all that. So Melissa, tell me a little bit about, you know, what, what experience you might have had on Bob. Okay. So I think when you were talking about marginalization, it really struck a chord with me. Um, first of all, I was raised in a town called Teaneck. New Jersey, and we were the first town in America that actually voted to integrate. Wow. So in second grade, I had, you know, African Americans coming mm -hmm. in. So I didn't really understand what it meant to be marginalized until I went to Wall Street as a woman. And the first day I'm in a department after the training program, well, of course, you know, there were 200 of us and like, you know, literally 20 women. Mm -hmm. But in this 12-person uh, department, the first one I went to, I was literally a fish out of water. Wow. So I have to say that I understand what you experienced yourself and your mom because I didn't realize. The other thing I want to just offer is that, you know, recently I talked on last episode how I was stopped by the police and he said, oh, you're so nice and he let me go. And I called my husband because I was so excited I didn't get a ticket. And he said to me, you know, Melissa, think about it. What if you weren't white driving that car? You know, what do you think your experience would have oh, been? Oh, absolutely. A, a, probably a very different one. And, uh, and again, when you say about me, you didn't even know I was Latina. I mean, I have to say, I've had the benefit of not looking very Latina. So... I've seen how it happens to people that I know, family members, because they might look a little different than I do. So, so yeah, it's a, it is a very different experience and I'm very well aware 
Uh, and, and now, do you think you you brought, brought by, we've all like you said at the beginning, you know, um, what do you think? Where do you think your biases have been? I mean, before you start, I just want to offer when I saw the George Floyd thing, I thought I didn't have a bias, but it struck me at such a different level. And I was so horrified um, that it made me reevaluate my own feelings. How about you? Uh, absolutely. No, all of these things do. I mean, and I think you become more and more aware. Uh, and that's what mindfulness does, which I think we'll talk about. So, so yeah, yes, great, absolutely. Great point. How do you think mindfulness can help us be more inclusive? And, and how have you used your own practice to, you know, recognize your own unconscious bias and how it affects you? Right, right. I mean, and, and, it's, and it's a good point about inclusiveness, because really the experience that I had uh, and the emotions that it triggered was what you would feel when you're excluded, so it's, and, and it's interesting because it equates to, it actually fires up the part of your brain where you feel pain. So exclusiveness actually conjures up your brain the same feelings as if you were feeling pain. So just to, so it is a strong word when we talk about inclusiveness and exclusiveness. So Yes, and I want to just offer a mindfulness technique right here since you opened the door you know, something called name it to tame it, which is a technique of neuroscience where maybe you, you know, you're afraid, you feel fear, you don't know something about this other person. So if you're practicing some of the mindfulness techniques, if you name it, mm -hmm. you can tame it. Yeah. So I'm fearful and go back. Well, and that's, so, that's interesting because that's kind of what, how I've used mindfulness, if you think about it, because I, uh, you know, because I've been practicing and I, conscious of mindfulness, I'm able to bring, as we know, mindfulness is all about bringing yourself back to the present moment because it's the only moment that you really can have control over and make choices about. And for me, when I get triggered and that incident that I described still triggers me today and the way it comes across is whenever I feel like my intellect is being challenged. Wait, you mean the one with your mom? With my mom, yes. I immediately start to feel like, oh gosh, I'm stupid. I'm being dismissed. It just, I, I go into that spiral of what I felt as a little girl till today. And, but I'm aware of it. And when I bring myself back to that present moment, when I do it through breath and, and other ways, um, I say, okay, what, what's the decision I need to make about the incident right now? Right. And, and it's not about that individual consciously wanting to do anything. This is about me. So I use that to remind myself that I'm not that little girl from well, you know, the past. Right, and it goes back to your original point, which we have all these unconscious biases from when we're, you know, small. Right. And how they affect us. And to me, you know, here you are, this tiger on Wall Street, you've run all these businesses, mm -hmm. you've managed billions of people, of course, I'm exaggerating, mm -hmm. but, you know, running TARP and all of Billions, billions. Stuff. Right, billions. <laughs> and then you could go back to that little girl and that feeling, and isn't it fascinating, And which is why we're so, you know, in love with the practice of mindfulness, because you do go back and you can actually feel empathy for that little girl. Mm -hmm. 
Well, and you realize yourself. you're not that person. I mean, you know, I have a good example. You might not even know this because I don't know that we verbalize what was going on, but I knew what it, what it was, what it was doing to me. But in our second episode, you, you'll recall that we actually went through the whole episode, recorded it, thought we were done. And then we started to get feedback and we had to come to the realization, are we going to really do it all over again? I don't know if you recall uh. that. Well, you know, I knew enough that I said, okay, it's triggering me. And it wasn't an emergency. So we didn't have to make a decision right then and there. Right. So for me, it allowed me to say, let me step back. Let me wait a day, let it settle in. And the next day I came back and said, you know what? It's really the right thing to do. I think we should, it's going to be better. That was a whole process that was going through my head to get there. So um, again, mindfulness it does. It does work. And it allows you that that clarity so that you so, can make better yeah. choices. So maybe you, Melissa. This is, mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm going to say that, you know, maybe and, you know, I think that's beautiful that you were candid enough to share with our audience because it was a struggle at the beginning. <laughs> and now I understand where it's coming from. Mm-hmm. So mindfulness, you know, and you mentioned this gives us an opportunity to be aware but it also gives us an opportunity to make a choice. Absolutely. So once you've been practicing mindfulness, and I would say, especially with your unconscious bias, is to use the practice of the foundations of breath work, changing your brain by looking for the good, using the movement, to come back to empathy, number one, for yourself. Because you demonstrated that with your mom and then you, because you were taking on her, you know, her issues, her right? Issues, yeah. And, and then, you know, which how many it. of us do right in any given of course. day, right? And then name it, you know, name it to tame it. Mm-hmm. This is what it is. I'm not intellectually inferior. I am very smart. Mm-hmm. And it is fascinating because, you know, as a as a woman on Wall Street, I would just like to, you know, say that I've had people say, things, even if I was doing literally, I once did a trade that was close to a billion dollars. And I was dismissed and marginalized because instead of high fiving me, people commented on my clothes. (laughs) Oh, you look really good today, you small little woman. Yeah, that's a microaggression, right? It's like, it's a way to kind of put you in your place kind of thing. And you know, maybe and again, could be unconscious. Many of these things are unconscious. But yes, but it didn't I, change how you felt. No, it didn't. And, and like you, it's taken me a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, mindfulness doesn't come overnight. It's a practice that we're always building. Yeah. It's a, something it is a practice. And we always say, you know, repetition's the mother of all skill. And in closing, I would just like to say, especially in these times where we feel highly isolated, highly polarized, and the news is not helping us. And, you know, we're wired for connection, not connectivity. It is actually an opportune time to go back into the practice of mindfulness to develop empathy for yourself and others, take a breath, and really, you know, I hate to say it, have more of a playful attitude, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. You make better choices. And I, ultimately, I think we all want to. So why should we even care about being inclusive? 
Well, it broadens our perspective, our ability to appreciate all of our differences and how rich they make our lives. It's one of the reasons that travel is so exciting. As humans, we're all 99.9% .9 the same, but unfortunately, we spend a whole lot of time and energy on the 0.1% that makes us different. Being mindful can help us shift, like it did for Melissa and I, to ease the process of acceptance and belonging. Wouldn't it be awesome if each of us were able to contribute and be our best selves? Just think how wonderful our nation and the world would be. So we would love to hear your feedback or get any questions that we could answer in future episodes. So drop us a line at twowallstreetchicks at gmail.com. That's the number two wallstreetchicks at gmail.com. We're also available for workplace workshops or offsite meetings. All the practices we share are in our book, Own Your Shift. So buy it and follow along. And hey, if you find our podcast helpful, please share it as we could all use a little shifting in our lives. Tune in next time when Myra and I offer a new technique that's not well known and unusual, but most people remember and use it. Thanks for joining us today. Bye everyone.